Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mash Those Buttons Mash Cast. I am Jarrett and I'm here with Nick Zelenkavich. Hey, how's everybody doing? Yes, and once again missing uh, our, uh, our ally from the Great White North. Which is actually going to be really white, apparently, because I got another big snowstorm coming. Screw you to Jack Frost for making it snow up in Canada, <laughs> because Joel can't be on the show. There you go. They perfectly filled in for Joel right there. <laughs> the spirit of Joel lives on. Well, it should, because Joel lives on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what I meant. But yeah, so yeah, this is uh, MASHcast number 115. 115. And just gonna be me and Nick two manning again, and let's let's get into some news, big and unexpected news. Irrational Games is closing down. I mean, hearing news about game studios closing down is nothing new, uh, but, but that typically comes with a game doing poorly. Bioshock Infinite, like what they sell over a billion units, like uh, what is it? It was like over, I think it was like over a billion units. It's not and, enough. They need to sell more. more no, in, a, in a pretty short amount of time. And then, you know, Bioshock Infinite did very well. Okay, it did very well. High ratings, great sales. And so nobody saw this coming. Nobody saw the closure of Irrational Games. Um, and the reason they're closing is it appears that Ken Levine wants to work on another project with a small team. And therefore, they're closing Irrational Games. <laughs> I mean, no, don't blame Ken Levine, because actually this is not... It's not his decision to clear out the studio. It was, I believe it was actually Take-Two or 2K's decision. I think it was Take-Two. Yeah, I think it was Take-Two's decision to actually um, close the studio once Ken was leaving. You, yeah. you got something to say, Nick. Well, no, no, that's just what I'm... It's, I mean, you're saying not to blame Ken... For the uh, for the direct closure, like that was Take oh. Two's decision. Ken, I mean, I, Ken Levine probably went to him and told him that I want to I want to, you know, make this game or start this project with a small team, uh, and you know he wanted to leave Irrational to do it. He wanted and, to leave Take Two to do it. He went to Take Two telling them I want to do this small team, you know, this small this small game with a smaller team, and leave because you guys you guys probably wouldn't want to do this. And they're like, no no no, we'll we'll do it. We'll work with you. We'll we'll keep you on board. So then they they jump behind him to support that. Hmm. Yeah. Well, still, I mean, <laughs> I guess my kind of question is like, I mean, there, there are a ton of studios out there that have multiple games going on, or, or mo- development for multiple titles. If Ken Levine wanted a just a small team, I think fifteen people is the team he's going to be working with. Or oh, sorry, fifteen people are the amount of people who are not getting laid off from Irrational Games. Okay, um, fifteen. So you want a team of fifteen? Like, why don't you just choose your fifteen and work on it inside of Irrational while the rest of Irrational does something else, or does Two K? Well, apparently Two K thinks that the studio cannot operate without the you know direct supervision or uh, involvement of Ken Levine. I think it depends on who the 15 people are. I mean, if you kind of take, you know, your, the, the cream of the, you know, the cream of the crop, the top developers in each department or whatever, the, you know, the, the handful of guys that are really sort of, you know, his go-to people. I mean, everybody else there, not to say that they're not important, but, you know, he might be taking like all the project leads. And so then nobody there is sort of proven in a leadership position. And now you've got this giant power vacuum at the top of this company. And it may be easier for take two to just say, 
you know what, let's let's split them up and send them wherever because none of these people can really take charge as opposed to, you know, trying to like, you know, fit that in because especially too, you know, I mean, that's, that's one of those, th- these things that we see with the game industry is like a studio comes together. They, they, they put out a game or two, if they're lucky, it's two. Um, but, and then they wind up closing because there's nothing for them to work on. It, it's that managing that steady inflow is, is, is difficult. And I think it's, it's, we're seeing, this is very much sort of the nature of where people come together, they make a game and then they're done and then they move on to other projects. At least take two is helping to relocate these people and get them in other studios. This is a very controlled closure. And I, I think they do have the luxury to the degree that it's not, it's not like, Oh, Hey, there's no money to pay you guys. Um, I mean, obviously they're not really working on anything, but it's not like that they just put out a game that was a disaster and everybody's in the hole on this. At least this, this seems like there's a bit of a, a transitional period they can go through. It sucks and it's terrible as someone who's been through like, you know, a company shutting down and having to find new work. It's not a fun experience, but this isn't, this isn't as terrible as it could be. It's not like, you know, it's not like all the people that got, you know, stuck when THQ went under completely. Well, that, that's, that is very, very true. But I, I mean, I just imagine there had to be some other way. I mean, obviously irrational games is packed with talent. Uh, I can't think of a game that they put out that was bad or even mediocre. You can't count Bioshock 2 because Bioshock 2 was not done by Irrational. And even that game wasn't bad. I wasn't trying to say that game was bad. But still, like, obviously the studio is packed with talent. I mean, you, you mean to tell me that there's only that there, there's only one idea at a time going on at that place? Not that there's only one idea at a time, but I th- I don't think you're just going to, like pull like pull all the all the you know the the b-level developers and be like okay you know what are we going to do for our next game i think the way that this stuff comes around i think there's a bit bit of structure to it and uh, it's i mean you know who's i'm sure every developer has their 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 games that they want to produce and the stuff that they want to work on either in their free time or or you know those little design specs that they keep in the back of their portfolio that they keep saying you know someday we'll get to make this um but but then i mean that introduces a whole other level of complexity and because now not only do you need to you know figure out okay like who here is going to rise up to take the spot what game are we going to make um but you you know you've got to you got to go through and kind of you know figure out like you know who works best in what position i mean if fundamentally what you wind up with is two companies you get the the the, the small 15-man unit that ken levine is taking with him and they get to do their own thing and they're perfectly fine and they're good to go and then you have this other team that ha- it's it's a company with no head and no direction i think if, if they had a game to work on and no management, they could fill those positions. If they had management, maybe they could find a game to work on. But I think at that point, it's too much for them. I want to say a, a, lot, a lot of these people were supposed to be let go anyway. Not, maybe not a lot, but I, I mean, I know they had just finished the uh, the DLC, and they re- they didn't have anything in the in the pipeline anyway. So I have to think that they were all kind of wondering like, what's coming around anyway here? It's you know, it's not like they were, you know, it's not, again, it's not a situation where like a, a game that they were actively working on was canceled. Um, you know, that's always, you know, especially something like that, it's always a bit tougher. So not that this is easy, but, uh, it's not, I don't know. It's, 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 it's harsh, but it's not as harsh as it could be. Right. Well, I mean, one of the reasons I think they didn't have anything in the pipeline is because they knew this was coming. Like the, the big, the big wigs knew, that this was coming down, that like Ken probably talked to them months ago, if not more than months ago, saying, you know, I am looking to start a new project and I want to use a small team. 
you know, th- th- that's probably what happened. I can't imagine last week him was like, I want to go do something else. <laughs> you know, I can't it'd be, imagine. It'd be awesome if it, if his message to uh, to take two that this was happening was the the post that he put on the Irrational Games <laughs> page. Like, oh, here we go. I'm 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 leaving to form my own company under you guys, and this is what's happening. I sent yeah. you an e- I sent you an email with the information. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that's that. I, I think one of the, it's it's I guess it's one of those cause and effect type deals where I think the cause of them not having anything in the pipeline is the fact that Kent, they knew Kendall Vane was leaving. And I mean, a place like that, I, I, I imagine they have some type of decent management structure so that even if Ken isn't directly involved with the game, they have, you know, teams and stuff like that that, that do certain things. And that, and that, that's why I have to think in order for them to shut the game down, he's taking all those key pieces. Like him and the top fifteen people in management are going, so there is no, so it's it's you know effectively he's it's it's a you know he's, he's it's the head. You take the the head off the body, and then the body can't live, and that's that's what they did. He took the head, you know maybe the heart and the lungs, and so now you've just got this body that you know you're not going to put that on life support. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. It's just a, you know a shame that the Bioshock license now it goes to two K. And I don't know, like, I think that's going to, that's going to hurt. Like, while Bioshock 2 wasn't bad, it wasn't Bioshock. And it definitely wasn't Bioshock Infinite. I mean, Irrational Games, like, they, that Bioshock, that Bioshock world, you know, both the the two Bioshock worlds that they created were incredible games. And obviously nobody else is, um... Nobody, well, at least the team that got to work on Bioshock 2 wasn't able to uh, replicate that. I mean, that's like if, if Valve outsourced somebody to make Half-Life 3. Or, or, or wouldn't it be kind of like if, you know, like 343 took over the next Halo game? Um, I don't know. See, 343 is a, is a, is a bit special, and here's why. Um, 343 was formed specifically specifically to handle the Halo series uh, when when Microsoft knew that Bungie wanted to head out. Now, the difference between 343 and... Uh, or, so, yeah, 343 and Bungie and Irrational and, uh, you know, the I forget the, 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 the dev team that took care of Bioshock 2. It just said 2K Games. Um, and then was that with Halo, while Halo 1 was great... Um, Halo 2, like, they, there was already a decline in the quality of the game. Like, Halo 1 was great, Halo 2 was good, but had its problems. Halo 3 was meh, then you had ODST, which was meh, and then you had, like, um, uh, what was it, uh, Halo Reach, which I couldn't even, like, I couldn't even play through two hours of that game. I got bored playing that game. Um... And I know some fanboys are shaking their fist at me right now. Like, Reach was the greatest. Like, no, nah, I don't. I don't think so. I didn't enjoy Reach. Uh, I actually, ODST was my least favorite. But in terms of like, you know, there was when you looked at those games, at the Halo games that Bungie did, there was always room for improvement. Uh, and when three four, first of all, when three four three took the reins, it was at the end of a arc. You know, they're starting a whole new story arc. And 343 has, you know, a chance to kind of take it in a different direction, which they kind of did. But then they took all those things that were wrong with Halo, um, 
kind of fixed them up, but then added some new elements to Halo that didn't exist before. Like with Halo, uh, the, 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 when you play as Chief, like he's just this, uh, this badass Spartan and, you know, anything that comes his way, he's going to mow it down. You know, he has two speeds, walk and kill. And then that's it. <laughs> like that's, that's how Chief is. And, and Halo, uh, with with Bungie, but when you get to Halo Four, like you get to take a deeper look at the Chief and his relationship with Cortana and all this stuff that they didn't even really—I mean, they kind of addressed it in Halo. But to get you know deeper, you actually had to read some of the Halo books and stuff like that. Um, the, the difference between that situation and like an irrational situation, uh, at least with the the studio that they had to do Bi- uh, Bioshock Two. Irrational did such a phenomenal job with the first one that there was no way the second one was going to be as good or it's going to be extremely, extremely difficult to do. Like the, if uh, the first Bioshock, I can't tell you what's wrong with it. And that's difficult for me to do, not to be able to tell you what's wrong with the game. Like I can't tell you what's wrong with the, with the first Bioshock and I can't tell you what's wrong with Bioshock Infinite either. Like who, like, even if Irrational had to follow up on Bioshock Infinite, that was going to be an, such an uphill battle. Such an uphill battle. Um, and I, I can't see another team just taking it. Like, that's... The level of crafting that went on in that video game was... Was, like, that was just a, such a labor of love. And it had a lot to do with Ken Levine. With him looking over that game and the entire process and having that creative arch arc sorry under under him the entire time you know it's kind of like what would have happened with assassin's creed if Patrice de Salette stayed on <laughs> but, but he didn't i'm a fortune teller well, i think that's actually the direction that this heads which is kind of sad but i mean it's entirely possible it's entirely possible depending on who take two gives this game to and we know that there's plenty of developers who worked on bioshock infinite that are not looking for a job um, so they could very easily transition them into this new project but it's entirely possible that they can, you know, put the right team together to take Bioshock in the direction that it needs to go and to maintain the quality. Um, that said, though, the way they finished that arc, and I mean, this happens with a lot of games where it's like you get to the end of that that main story, um, and then it's like, okay, well, they finished that story. It's like, where do we go from there? You know, and they have to kind of come up with with a new take on the universe. Um, but the way that Bioshock Infinite ended, I mean, there's a reason it's called, it's not called Bioshock Three. It's Bioshock Infinite. They kind of tied up that entire universe. This isn't like Mass Effect, where it's like, okay, like Shepard's story is done, but now we've got this whole universe set up where we can do Mass Effect Four, and it's not going to involve Shepard. This is, you know, this it, it's like they've even laid out the framework, like. You know, like we know, like the next Bioshock has to start with you in a boat in a lighthouse, and there's a man and a utopia, and <laughs> like those are all fundamental. Like, and, and it's not even to say like those are all fundamental Bioshock motifs, but they explicitly said like these are Bioshock motifs. They explicitly said that in the game, and so, I mean, to that degree, it's like once you've once you've you know explored the box that thoroughly or described the box that thoroughly there's nowhere else to go inside that box. And, you know, and once you get out of that box, then I guess the question becomes like, is it Bioshock? And, and it's, it's, I mean, there's a, if it, for anybody that wants to do something with this IP and what's sad is that, you know, that they're going to try to do something with the IP. Um, but for anybody that wants to do something with the IP, they have a lot to, a lot to think about. And I don't, it's in a way, I mean, 
in a, in a way, it makes complete sense why you know Levine would walk away. It's like he 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 did that. He you know he went through that wormhole and he explored every you know like every nook and cranny that he wanted to and every nook and cranny that was there. And you know he milked it. He you know he, he you know he milked it for what it was worth. Um, you know, so now it's like okay, now it's time for him to move on to something else. I could kind, I almost, I almost want to see you know let the Bioshock IP just you know sit, don't do anything with it. Let Ken work on his little project, and maybe in like five to ten years, maybe he might be like, you know what, I want to go back. I want to go back to Rapture. I want to go back to Columbia. I want to go back to some other utopia that we haven't seen before, and iterate that you know one step further, you know, Infinity Plus One, whatever that is, but. And, you know, but it, it, it's to give that to somebody else like that's I think that's where you're going to wind up with the Assassin's Creed syndrome where now they're just going to start pumping out Bioshocks that are going to meet some kind of standard formula. You know, it'll have, you know, your 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 big daddies and your little sisters and some in some variation. Um, and it's you know, it'll be fun, but it won't be it won't it won't be as like, you know, mind blowing as, as Bioshock Infinite was. And. I think that's, I guess that's the sad part about this is like once you've once you've gone to infinity, like you can't go anywhere else. And I guess I think in a way this is like Levine's tacit admission of that. Yeah, well, I guess with the way I, I consider the Bioshock, well, almost, to me each Bioshock is its own story arc. Like there is no continuing plot. Um, you know, Bioshock One. If there was no Bioshock Two, I think everybody would have been absolutely okay with that. And the same thing with Infinite. It's kind of how I like, um, you know, I don't want somebody to try to continue Infinite's story in another game. I mean, DLC is one thing, but to continue Infinite's story, I think, uh, or, or would be a mistake. Kind of like, it's kind of how I feel about Max Payne. I think I do not want them to make a Max Payne, another Max Payne, continuing the story arc of Max Payne at this point. Because I think it would, it would mess up the story. And plus, I want to, I want to leave Max alone at this point. Let the man rest. <laughs> But um, yeah. With uh, I don't even know where they can go from here. I mean, you've had the you've had the city under the sea. You've had the city in the clouds. Now you just have to have a city on the ground, like you know, space, like some type of utopia. Space. Maybe maybe some type of island or something like that. But that's the thing. Like the whole thing about both Bioshocks, whether it's the first one, Bioshock One, or Infinite. Even though you're in these massive cities, you're still confined. In in Rapture, you're underwater. In uh, uh, Columbia, you're in the sky. If you're just on an island, grab your ass a boat and get the fuck out of there. <laughs> you know, that's kind of how it, it feels. You're in the most. sky, grab a parachute and you're out of there. Uh, it doesn't work the same way. Because <laughs> <laughs> all yeah. the parachutes were well hidden. Yeah, but it, the thing about Bioshock Infinite and why, why, well, the Bioshock series in general and why I think it's hard to duplicate, it's not just the story, it's not just the gameplay, it's not just the way the game looks, it's a combination of all of that. Even how smoothly the game ran, I mean, like, Bioshock Infinite was beautiful, and I ran that game at 60 frames, actually, I'm sorry, over 60 frames, uh, not that you can tell the difference, really, but over 60 frames during some of the harshest parts of that game. And it looked glorious. Like, you know, it, it was just incredible. It was a steady frame all the way through. That really adds to the game, and that has a lot to do with, you know, uh, with with a lot of care and polish being put into the game. And I don't know if anybody else is going to do that for this game. So it's really sad that Irrational Games is closing. I imagine whatever King of Beans working on is going to be incredible, but in terms of Bioshock, I'm I'm very, very sad here. 
I guess it just gives me more reason to play through Bioshock. I mean, I think it's going to be one of those games... Um, I'll play again, Bioshock Infinite. I think it's going to be one of those games that I've played through just several times, like the Half-Life series. I've had to play through the entire series. I'm talking about like one, two, and the episodes at least four or five times by now. You know, sometimes you get that, that itch to go play Half-Life, and so I scratched the itch and I wound up playing all the way through. You know? How long does that take? Uh... Well, it depends. Like, if I, if I, if I, if I got, if I'm, if it's like a bad case of the itch, I'll probably do it <laughs> in over, like, you know, maybe four or five days. Uh, but other than that, like, I'll, I'll stretch it out. Like, you know, it'll take me a few weeks to get through, you know, the first and, uh, you know, Half Life 2. And all, and the episodes, of course, are pretty, are pretty fast. They're like five hours long. <laughs> so. But yeah, um, it sucks. Like it really does suck. I really wish they would have kept the rational open, and Ken would have just, uh, you know, maybe worked in the team inside of a rational. But I mean, I understand uh, where you're coming from, Nick. Very valid points, but that's just the way it is. <laughs> that's just the way it is. Uh, but yeah, let's let's move on from that sad news, and uh, let's talk about. Let's talk about the Xbox One and some bad decision making. More sad news. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh saw this uh this article on the Xbox One. They're releasing a media remote. And actually the article that I saw originally says that the media remote was supposed to be a replacement for the Connect because it makes it very easy to navigate uh the Xbox One. It makes it very easy to navigate the Xbox One and all of the media features and stuff like that. However, I get to the end of said article, and it says that it requires Xbox One... Uh, it re- sorry, it requires the Connect for the infrared sensor. I'm like, are you fucking serious? Like, <laughs> dude, nobody wants the Connect. <laughs> Look, if I got this, it would be because I didn't want to use the Connect, which I don't. But actually, I do, I do know a few people who do have Xbox Ones, and they're talking about how when you are using the media features, uh, the connect is, is very helpful. Like trying to do it with just a controller is a pain in the ass, but this remote control would have eliminated that. But even if you get the remote control, you still need the connect. They're still attaching the connect to it. And the remote control costs 25 bucks. If I have the connect installed, why would I use the remote? Because the remote is a little more stable than the Connect, you don't have to worry about it mishearing your voice or misreading your emote, your uh, your, your your gesticulations. Um, I've heard I've heard stories of people who they can no longer eat in front of their TV because when they make the motion of putting the fork to their mouth, the Xbox thinks they're giving it a command. <laughs> really? Um, so there's there's a lot of misfires there, and if you can not necessarily not necessarily, you know, like, uh, like it's not a direct replacement for the Connect in terms of you get the remote and you don't need to have the Connect affixed to your device. It's more a replacement of you can get the Connect and you can turn off the motion sensing and the voice listening and then just use the remote by itself, um, which is kind of how it should work intuitively, um, because that's especially for a system. And it's, this is one of those things where it's like Microsoft is trying to fly before they can walk. Um, 
because you would think like we want a box that's going to take over the living room. What is the one thing that everything in your living room has? It's a remote. It is like that. That remote is your gateway to all of your boxes. And if if you're smart and you're you're lucky, you get yourself a universal remote that touches all the boxes that you have. And then that that way, to a degree, the universal remote that's the box that Microsoft wants because fundamentally, like that's the choke point to all of your entertainment. There's one little remote that you have, and if you lose that, heaven help you, because you're never going to be able to sit on the couch for long periods of time again, because you have to get up to keep hitting all the buttons. But what they're trying to do is take the choke point instead away from that remote and put the choke point right under the TV, that box under the TV. That's the choke point where all the entertainment goes through. Never mind that you still have all the other boxes that have to feed into that box. Never mind that that box then gets the input from you via voice and you know motion commands. But that's where they want that choke point to be. But the problem is, is that that's two steps. It's one step to the voice and video or voice and motion commands and another step to moving the box. And what they needed to do fundamentally is, at least for this generation, is have the remote and just, you know, let the Xbox One be your box that does everything. Have the remote there, make the connect optional, let everybody get used to that paradigm. And then next time. You know, especially after – because the thing too is that if you give people the option of use the Kinect or use the remote, you can let people – you know, you can let people have that problem where, you know, oh, you know, I can't use my fork in front of the TV until Microsoft figures out how the Xbox can realize like I'm eating and not trying to tell it to do something. Um, you know, let, let Microsoft use this generation or even, you know, half this generation until they can, you know, get a patch in just like the Kinect was introduced halfway through the last generation. Um, you know, let – you know, let – you know, get, sort of, it's basically give people the option to be the testers for this, because when you make the Connect mandatory, you're saying that this technology is ready for prime time. And if you're going to have stories about, you know, oh, what, what, what was it? There was there, there was something like people like there was somebody who couldn't have like more than three people in their living room or else their Xbox freaked out because it was detecting too many people or something. Um and I know these are all terrible anecdotal evidences and not at all, you know, <laughs> like statistically valid and sort of providing a critique of the xbox but right um, no but the, the point is like those like if you're if you're confident that like your connect technology is is ready to control the, you know your living room media empire this shouldn't be happening i feel like they're they're a good being on a full generation maybe just a half generation like you know three or four years away from letting the technology mature figuring out all the little kinks before it's ready to come in i mean that's i think i've said this before like if you look at the xbox commercial all the mainstream media that like the, the mainstream press that reviews the gaming console they love this device because the concept of being able to like you know control your your media by you know by voice that concept in and of itself is awesome i mean that's that's back to the future too that's back to the future too technology um and and so you know like you know by itself that concept is amazing but the implementation it's almost there and so this remote the like and, and really fundamentally the problem with the remote is is not well, I mean, some of the problem with the remote is that, that that should have been included with everything as well. Uh, but even putting aside that it's an extra peripheral, the problem is in the presentation because so many of these articles that came out about the remote were like, oh, this replaces the Kinect. This is an alternative to the Kinect. And you're not the only person who looked at this and said, great, they're finally making the Kinect optional and giving us something else to use because, no, it works in conjunction with the Kinect. And, the, the, and to a degree – you have to – that's that's on all the the, the, the the media that put these headlines out because they know people don't like the Kinect. Microsoft knows people don't like the Kinect. The only people who like the Kinect are Sony because it sells them more PlayStations. <laughs> so 
you know, so so they know it's like, oh, look, we're going to have this, you know, little tantalizing headline. You're going to click on it, read about the remote, realize that the connect is still required and you're going to be disappointed. And so, you know, you know, hands, you know, you know, I applaud them for, you know, cleverly wording your headlines. But ultimately, ultimately, this should be included with everything. Dude, the whole Xbox, you know, uh, detecting you while you eat and stuff like that. That can all simply be solved by Microsoft adding a, a, a command that allows you to temporarily disable those features, like like a you know, connect sleep mode or something like that. Like that that solves that issue right there. And I just thought about that like just now, so I know Microsoft already knows that that's a solution. What it needs, it's an all watching eye. It needs an eyelid. <laughs> it needs to close. Well, this is some type of sleep mode. Yeah. Where it doesn't it doesn't do the detecting while the sleep mode is active, and then you can you can the only voice command the sleep mode knows or that it accepts is sleep mode off, <laughs> like you know, and then it goes back to being normal connect. But the, the thing I think I, that I find the funniest is that you know the the connect was supposed to be all about not needing a remote anymore, and now you have a remote so that you don't need to use the connect, <laughs> which is which is pretty funny. Um. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say one other thing. I actually had the opportunity uh, two weekends ago to actually uh, go over a friend's house and play uh, the Xbox One, and uh, we were playing Forza. Yeah. And you know, obviously the Connect is automatically on. The uh, the microphone is automatically on. Yeah. So he's you know, it was like we're trying to talk about the game. Like not, we don't need the people in Italy for, while Europeans playing Forza. And the game <laughs> was beautiful. I will admit the game was beautiful. Um, the car damage looked real. Uh, it was fun driving with a completely smashed up windshield, uh-huh. um, but it took us a while to figure out like, okay, like, you know, we're just trying to have a conversation in our living room about the game that we're playing. We don't need the other people to hear us playing. And it took us a while to get into the menus and find like, how do we turn that off? I actually had to look it up on my phone while he was playing. <laughs> like, okay, this is where you got to go to shut that off. So, I mean, you know, and it's not that the... You know, not, it wasn't that hard to find, but it was still a few menus we had to go through. And especially, again, if you're going to offer – because, again, the headset is an optional. The headset's a, uh, a peripheral that costs extra. Right. And if you're going to offer that, that seems a little presumptive that it's like, okay, everybody that's going to be playing, you're going to want you know everybody in your living room on the microphone talking. I mean I feel bad for any – well, I don't – actually, I take that back. I don't feel bad for any kids that have an Xbox One because that, <laughs> why, why are your parents buying you an Xbox One so soon? But I feel a little bit bad for them because you know, like there's the kid whose mom is going to come and like do your homework or something. And it's like everybody's going to hear when he's playing with his friends because you know that's, that's how the microphone works. Like that should be – Again, that's one of those cases where the, they're a little bit ahead of themselves. The headsets should still be included. And I don't, I don't even know if there's ever a point where really we're ready by default to be sharing the entire living room as a like as for for communicative purposes. Like, I get it. I'm playing a game. I want to be communicating with the people I'm playing with, but. Do I need to have everybody else in the room with me? Because not everybody else in the room with me is playing the game. Not everybody else cares, and it's bad enough that all the stuff going on is coming out the speakers, um, that you know that's inter- in, you know interfering with what they're doing. But do I, you know, do I need to have like you know whatever private conversations we're having? Do I need to have that shared by default? 
Um, I think that's another thing that, you know, whatever, you know, wherever, wherever the option is to go about turning off, you know, listen to everything that I'm saying or, you know, I'm not listening to it, but share that online. There needs to be an easier way to do that as well. Right. Well, I mean, the whole reason I, I brought this up is because, you know, originally I was going to say, well, Microsoft might be heading in the right direction uh, with, you know, removing the connect or at least bundling the connect from the system. However, now if they unbundle the connect, now you can't use the remote either. Because yeah. <laughs> why would you do that? Well, there would have to be. Why, would, I... why does the remote need to use infrared? Can it, why can't it use Bluetooth? My Sony remote, I don't even have to be pointing it at my television. I can point it at my TV screen and it'll still work on my PS3. Press this button right here. The PS button, bam, my PS3 comes on. I can be on the other side of the room doing it. Who owns the Bluetooth technology? Uh, I don't know. It's not Microsoft or Sony, so... So, maybe that's why. Not that No, I don't, think, I don't even think Motorola. I, can't, I don't know who made it, but... I mean, yeah, like, they did that specifically because they still want you to use the Kinect. That's why. But I was going to say, like, you know, it's a step in the right direction. Not saying that immediately when this came out, they were going to unbundle the Kinect, but at least, you know, now they have an option for people who want to be able to easily control media uh, uh, without the Kinect, but you still need the fucking Kinect. So I'm still not interested in buying an Xbox One. So it and, looks like, just say, it looks like Bluetooth owns Bluetooth. Oh, okay, so they have their own. Yeah, they have their own special interest group that runs that. Hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. Like, this is just the weekly Microsoft bashing at this point. <laughs> oh it's well. Not, it's not a bad console if you if you can get past the Connect. I think that's really and that's fundamentally the other problem too is that it, it, everything that it does well, the PlayStation does just as well or slightly better, and it doesn't have the Connect required, and it's cheaper. Hmm. Well, let's stop talking about that because that's just depressing. <laughs> that this <laughs> Would isn't it be really be depressing better. if Ken Levine left uh, left Irrational to make Xbox One games? Don't talk to me anymore, Nick. <laughs> Do not talk to me. All right, so uh, the next topic we have is regarding oh, GDC just just passed for those who. Uh, Oh, sorry, GD, uh, yeah, GDC is, a, uh, sorry, it didn't just pass, um, DICE just passed. Um, uh, GDC is about a month away. But uh, there was a poll taken among GDC, uh, you know, developers that are going to be, uh, who are going to be going to GDC, or at least they think they're going to be going to GDC 2014. I think it's it's people who went to GDC 2013 and plan on coming back. Yeah, that's so. Yeah, people were planning on going to GDC 2014, and in the poll, it was you know I guess it was a poll about what uh, consoles do you plan on making games for, and only about four percent of developers said something for the Wii U. Now, I mean, we talk about there's, there's a lot of uh, always a lot of negative uh, news about the Wii U, especially recently, and this kind of hurts. Maybe because, I mean, GDC isn't, not not every dev goes to GDC, of course, but the fact that only 4% of the the, the devs that are going, which it's a, it's a major conference for game devs, that's that says a lot, and I mean, I imagine that would, something like that would scare investors, and I mean, even for me, like, it tells me, okay, third-party support isn't going to be that great, but I'm still of the 
the school of, school of thought that Nintendo shouldn't be relying on third-party support. They should be pumping out first-party, making focusing on making new IP, and just doing it on their own, if that's possible. You know, that that's that's what I'm thinking. But still, it doesn't look very good when you only have four percent of developers on a poll like this saying, "Yeah, we, we we're, we're taking the Wii U into consideration." You know, we've we've talked about this before. We talked about this last year because there was a poll that came out uh, just before GDC again. Um, and, and the big news last year was 58% of studios are developing for platforms other than console. Um, and so the, the, the argument there was that this GDC is the death knell of consoles. It doesn't matter what the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox Next uh, wind up doing. Uh, they're going to be terrible and people are moving to, to mobile devices and, and PC and, and consoles are dead. Um so now this year, it's, you know, now the big story is that nobody's developing for the Wii U. Not that there's really that big a story because we kind of knew that third-party developers were down on that. Um, but a lot of the same arguments and criticisms we had regarding the statistics last year uh, once again kind of raised their head as far as, you know, what exactly is the developer makeup of those going to GDC. If it's a lot of indie developers, they don't do a lot of work on consoles anyway. So already the Wii U is looking at a reduced... Uh, you know, a reduced, you know, possible developer base out of what's there. Um, you know, I, I mean, don't get me wrong, 4% is low and it doesn't bode well for, um, it doesn't bode well for Nintendo. I mean, as much as we, you know, I mean, as much as we say that the Wii U is critical, you know, the only publisher that matters is Nintendo. Um, you know, third-party support is still nice. Um, it's good to see. It's a sign that, of a healthy console. Um, comparatively... Uh, the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One have 20% and 17% develop, of developers, respectively, um, intending to uh, develop for those consoles. So right there, you're looking at about a fifth of the support for the PlayStation 4 that you would, you're going to get on the Wii U, um, which actually I think offhand sounds about right. Um, but still, though, I mean, you're, at that point, you're, you figure, I mean, the PlayStation 4, you know, all the big players are going to be developing for that so right there if it's only getting 20 20 support right now um that says that what exactly are those other 80 percent of developers are they mobile only developers are they you know the small small independent developers who are just you know putting games out on steam and not really much beyond that um i don't think i mean really without kind of like an actual just flat out list of everybody who kind of took this survey um you know, to be able to kind of evaluate them, you know, it, it's it's hard to tell, you know, how how exactly this breaks down. Um, but I would have to think, like, you know, again, I, I think that twenty percent that Sony's getting, seventeen percent for the Xbox, that's really sort of what Nintendo should be expecting. Though, if if anybody's developing for the PlayStation Four, the Xbox now would be the time. I I would think, um, outside of a handful of like you know people with exclusivity agreements, but. Yeah, so I f you figure, you know, I guess, what, 20%? Rough, you know, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised, too, if that 17 and 20% overlap significantly. Um, yeah. And I'm sure the 4% probably even fits within there. Oh, yeah, probably. Um, I, I, I think this, a lot of these devs were looking to develop for PC as well, because PC's, PC's kind of hot right now. Uh, funny, we, were just, uh, we were talking earlier about a certain somebody who said that PC games or that PC gaming was dead, you know, about six, seven years ago. Uh, and PC gaming definitely didn't die. It's in, I think it's in more, uh, I don't think it's in a resurgence anymore. It's already resurged and 
it's going to be here to here, here to stay. I think it's very popular with indie devs simply because it's such an open platform. I mean, it is the open platform for the most part. Uh, but still, on the on the Wii U side of things, uh, I think Nintendo. I mean, the, Nintendo's already looking to try new things, and <laughs> I think one new thing they should try is stop relying on third party support. You know. Well, but I think I think the issue there is I don't know if they they're even relying on it at this point. I don't think they are. Um, but it's just one of those things that it's nice to have. And I, I think this is is anything. It's not so much. You know, like, I, like I don't think Nintendo's out there. Like, come on, third parties, why aren't you liking us? Like, I, I think they're well aware they need to turn this ship around on their own. But it's just a sign, like, you know, like four percent. Like, you know, they couldn't even get ten percent of developers to work on that. Like, you know, like at least half of the people that are working on the PlayStation, you know, they get that number working on the Wii U. Like, it's it's if anything, this is just a sign of how 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 the Wii U is struggling. Um, it's not. It's 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 not a sign that Nintendo needs to change anything or Nintendo's doing anything wrong explicitly, um, outside of I guess how they've handled the Wii U's launch. But really, it's it's just it's a it's a struggling console, and this is just another indication of that. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, I still have faith in Nintendo, like mainly because the, the the strength of their first party, like that's what's been keeping them afloat for you know for forever now. Uh, and the, the strength of that first party, the, the, now they need it more than ever. I think we're going to start seeing, uh, you know, maybe a 3D Mario. When Smash Brothers come out, I am confident that when Smash Brothers comes out, that that is going to be a huge um, help for the Wii U. Now, if Smash Brothers comes out and it's not, eh, maybe they need to uh, to to, uh, to, to uh, uh, rethink their strategy. But for now, I think Smash Bros. is going to be a huge help. And Mario, actually, isn't there a new is there a new Mario Kart coming out this year? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That comes out first. I want to say that. Comes, yeah. Does that come out in March or May? I think I feel it's like May. It might even be March. Uh, a new Mario Kart and a new Smash Bros. I think it's going to be a huge help because those are they they do move consoles stuff like yeah. that. So, but um, yeah. Uh, I guess that this is the bad newscast. <laughs> that's that's bad news because even our last topic for the night that might be best bad news for some people uh so deep down uh which is uh that's one of those games that capcom showed off uh at the at the well i think it was the ps4 press conference you know for the next gen stuff it may have been yeah well uh, more information's come out but information including that there will be no female main characters uh, the, 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 he, there will be no female heroes. Uh, there was an update later on that says that there may be female playable characters, but no female heroes. So I'm not exactly sure what that means. Uh, but that's, yeah, yeah, that, that 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 sounds like they're hedging. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's no female heroes, and they're saying that it's, it's due to the story um, that that there's no female heroes. Uh, actually, specifically the. Uh, let me read you the headline. Here we go, yeah. Uh, Deep Down won't feature playable female characters for the sake of the story. So whatever's happening in the story, uh, Capcom or the developers feel that they need to keep the main characters male. I'm not exactly sure, obviously, what what that, that involves. But of course you have a lot of people who are coming uh, out of this saying, you know, that's bullshit. 
uh, you know how like what kind of story you're running that, she, that, the, that the main character needs to be male or that there's no way for females and that they're saying that you know well the, you should be able to create whatever type of character you want and, I mean in response to that I think that no like you necessarily shouldn't be able to create the character that you want I mean there are there are a lot of games that will allow you to do that and you know uh, and there are a lot of games that can allow you to do that and they don't you know it, it would it wouldn't matter but there, like, you know, depending on the story, like, you know, the, however the dev wants the story to progress or the game to progress, there may be a specific reason why you need a female or why you need a male. So, until the game comes out, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think anybody should be throwing stones just yet. Here's the thing, I, I want to agree with you, I kind of wanted that to be the defense that they took, that there is some greater purpose for the narrative that requires the players to be male. And at this point, without knowing the narrative, and it may well be some kind of huge, you know, like twist, you know, plot twist that they don't want to give out ahead of time. Um, but to me, like, if you have a compelling story and that is the reason why, you know, you need to tell this story and that story, I guess if you, if, if you have a compelling story and you need to tell this story and that is why you can't have female characters, then I, I, I get that and I understand that, t- you know, Let's see how the game plays out. Let's see how the story plays out. And then once all is said and done, we can look back and say, eh, you know, player number three could have been female, but nobody, you know, we can make those decisions at that time. The problem is that's not quite what they're saying. Um, And the fact that they've even gone so far as to say, like, oh, well, we're going to have a female character that can playable, but she's not a hero. Like, whatever distinction that is. um, Because fundamentally, it seems like, why are you making this game? Are you making this game for the story or are you making this game for the actual gameplay? Um, the gameplay as it is, it's, it's what it's, it's randomly gener- you know, it's randomly procedurally generated dungeons, uh, with random monsters, um, and it generates items and, and environments and, you know, treasure chaps, tre- treasure chests, traps, ladders, and height differences all, all, you know, at random. Um, you know, and that's fine. There's plenty of games that do that. Um, but why is, in that case, if the world is so, if the world is so randomly created, why isn't that? You have these. I believe it's what they said. There's four heroes. I think they said. That yeah. Why do you have these four characters, all of whom need to be male? Um, and and I get the impression that it was. I mean, I get the impression that fundamentally, what it comes down to is that when you've got a randomly generated world, that to have you know, especially if you've got events that can randomly generate, those events have dialogue, and so what happens is you've got you know enemies that are going to be talking to your characters. They you know now if. If it's the kind of situation where they have to use your – like if you can – if the names are assigned, like, okay, you have these four characters. They all have male names. But even then, you know, you could get around that by choosing some ambiguously, you know, like gender-neutral names if you really wanted to. Like um, Jamie. Exactly. Exactly. Or, you know, Kelly. Um, but – Kelly is a gender-neutral name? Yeah, there's dudes named Kelly. I've never met a, met a guy named Kelly before. I don't know if I've ever met one, but I've, like, seen them on uh, – on TV and stuff. Anyway, <laughs> it's not important. Um, no, but uh, I'm trying to think of a dude named Kelly. I got to stop that. No, <laughs> but uh, no, but it, it's it's one of those things where it, it seems that what it comes down to is that if you're gonna have you know like you can't use pronouns. That's fundamentally what what, what it is. Is like if you're gonna have female you know, a, f- a female main character or give the option for a female main character, then you have to have all the, the, the possible encounters. And depending on how many they want to go for, you know, 
that you know then they all have to be recorded if not in, in their entirety twice then at least enough where they're switching the dialogue so that they can change all the pronouns seamlessly um and that i can see how it's like oh well that's an added you know an added cost and we don't feel like developing for that but at the same time though like don't hide behind the story if you're doing it because of budgetary concerns like it you know, if that's the case, then just come out and say, yeah, it costs more to develop female characters and we're just going with male by default. I mean, that introduces its own set of pitfalls that they're kind of walking into and everybody that's complaining now is still going to be complaining. Um, but at least it's a little more honest. Um, it's, I, I don't know, I... I, I uh, I don't. I mean, I, I fall into the camp that, you know, I mean, for all we know, they could be telling a story where these four characters, you know, four male characters go through an experience and then they come to realize like, you know, like, like kind of like spec ops, like where spec ops was spec ops was a study in like video game shooters and you needed to be playing as a, you know, like a, a you know, like the standard, you know, white male military protagonist to really like explore that genre because that is what the genre is about. Um, so maybe it's the kind of thing where they're like, okay, here's your default, you know, like four player group here. We're going to go through and explore that. And they all need to be male in order for us to break the genre down. If that's the case, then one, that would be an amazing game, but two, then, okay. Like at that point, it makes sense that they would all need to be male. I don't, nothing that they've said has given me the impression that that's the case. And I'm not, I, I, I'm not holding out a lot, like hope here. I mean, I'm not saying. I'm not saying that I personally need there to be a female character in there. I just I, I I'm, I'm sympathetic to the argument that it you know like won't you know it, it should be included in there. Like there's no reason there's no reason not for it to be in there if it's just you know you're concerned about development costs. Well, I mean, like you said, we haven't seen the way the story is going to be told or played out at this point, so we just don't know. Uh, but I guess my thing is like if they came out and announced that there will be no male characters in this game. That there are only female characters due to the story, not a peep, not a single peep. This is only yeah. an this is only an issue because there's no female characters, and some people are viewing it as racist. No, sorry, not racist as sexist or laziness by the developer when they have a lot of them don't even have any idea what it takes to create a game, especially of this magnitude. I would posit that some of the people who are complaining that there are no female characters, I think they would be applauding them and at least you know congratulating them maybe not as loudly as they're yeah. complaining i mean you always complain louder than you than you promote um but i think they would still be i think this would be one of those cases if they if they did that it was an all-female character game but again i think it depends on the presentation because oh we're not gonna have a uh, you know we're not gonna have any male characters in the game but we're gonna have a bunch of scantily clad women running around like like rumble roses that's a game with all females <laughs> 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 that really it, it doesn't help uh it doesn't help gender equality um so it's and, and for all we know it could be you know you could have a game where it's four ma male characters and the entire world is female um you know, and, and that, again, if, if you're exploring gender issues, then that's actually a valid way to do that. Um, but again, I don't, I don't get the impression. If, like I said, I, I, my, my, and I'm just getting this impression just from the reporting I've seen um, and the comments that, uh, that Capcom has made. But I don't think I, – I, like the only thing I could think is maybe, maybe they were like, okay, you know what, let's tell them we're not going to put any women in and then switch it at the last minute and get a lot of – you know, get a lot of attention for this. 
Um, because I, admit, I really wasn't paying attention to Deep Down, even if it was at the, like, I don't even remember it being at the PlayStation 4 launch, launch thing, which shows you how much attention I've been paying to it. <laughs> uh, but now it's on my radar. So if they, you know, maybe they, you know, they turn around. The one thing we have to watch out for this, though, is, you know, if, if they're like, okay, well, fine, we're going to add a female playable character. Now we start seeing, like, female playable characters become, like, a checkbox for games. Like, we complain about, like, multiplayer. Like, oh, the developer, you know, they're releasing a game. going to have single player. It's going to have multiplayer. And just so they can have little checkboxes on the back of the box. Um, at this point now, it's like, oh, you got a male, female, male character, you got a female character. More checkboxes on the back of the box. Um, fundamentally, like, these experiences should be you know, natural and ingrained into the system. It shouldn't be, you know, like just like multiplayer shouldn't be forced. Certain character types shouldn't be forced. Um, and so again, like we said, it all, it all depends on the execution we have to see. Um, but I'm kind of, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not enthusiastic about this. I feel like this was an oversight on their part and they shouldn't have been surprised by the backlash. Um, and maybe they weren't cause they did. It almost seems like they went out of their way to be like, Hey, we got no, there's no women here. You know, like go look elsewhere. If you're looking for women, but uh, I don't know. It's uh, it, it 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 just seems like they should have seen this backlash coming, and I, I you know it'll be interesting to see how uh, how this all turns out. Yeah, it'll it'll, it'll be interesting. Um, I don't mind female characters in games. I mean, like, why would I mind it? I, I don't think anybody necessarily minds female characters in games or even female leads. It's just that I, I kind of I don't want. A, f- a female character put into a game if it's going to mess up the story or if it's going to lessen the story in any way and vice versa i don't want a male character shoehorned into a game if it's going if the story would have been better if it was just a female character like you know if they want to shoehorn a male in because they think that the demographic would you know enjoy that more i don't i don't want to see that you know like, I mean, obviously it wouldn't never happen with Tomb Raider, but if Tomb Raider had an option to play as a dude as well, like, that would have been that would have been no good, <laughs> you know? Fundamentally, especially because, in, in, in like, in games more so than any other medium, like, the gameplay itself is just as important as the story. And so if you've got some very compelling story to tell that requires a certain type of protagonist, but it doesn't... If it feels shoehorned with the gameplay or vice versa, then maybe you shouldn't be telling that story as a game, uh, you know, or adjust, you know, adjust the story then. Like if you, you know, like, you know, if I would hope like if somebody was like, OK, you know, what, let's switch Tomb Raider. So it's a guy, you know, change the story enough so that it's about, you know, some, you know, world hopping, you know, treasure hunter and it becomes uncharted. Yeah. Uh, and you don't notice that they're the same, you know, or not that you don't notice they're the same thing, but, you know, at no point does Uncharted feel like, you know, it's like, oh, it's a dude shoehorned into Lara Croft. Like, no, he's not wearing hot pants. Like, it works out fine. Um, so I think that's really, I think that's really the thing is, as long as it, if, if you're careful about your craft, if you're careful about your craft, you can make the decisions. And really, this is sort of the argument that a lot of these people are making as far as like, well, there should be a, f- a playable female character. It's not that they're telling a story that requires all these male characters. It's that they made the decision early on in the development process when they're figuring all this out, like, okay, and we're going to have these four dudes and they're, they're, they're guys and they run around being guys. Um, and, and at the point when they're still flushing everything out and it's early enough in the design process that they can easily incorporate that. At no point did anybody think to say, Hey, maybe one of these things should be a female. You know, it, it, it you know, it opens the world up a little bit. It makes it a little more inclusive. You know, it draws in female fans. Um, 
you know, at no point was there any acknowledgement of that. They just kind of steamrolled ahead of that. And that's, and again, there, there isn't, there is a, uh, there, there is, you know, a, a, there is a, I want to say a faction, um, but I can't think of the right word that I'm looking for. Um, that is looking to, you know, uh, you know, there's, there's, you know, looking to increase, you know, increase sort of, you know, diversity within the workplace. I think we talked about it a little bit, not really the workplace, but just gaming in general. We talked about it a little bit the other week um, with a lot of the racial diversity with respect to uh, esports. Um, and now here again, you still see, you know, there's there's a large, you know, er, you know, there's a large indifference between the ratio of, you know, women to men that work in games that it's less for, you know, women to men who play games. But, you know, if you're still trying to foster that community of get women involved, you know, that's where it needs to start is, you know, that very base, you know, moment there where you've got a bunch of, you know, executives and, and you know, you know, uh, like team leads sitting in a room like, OK, what game are we going to work on here? How's it going to go? And they're like, OK, we got four people. They're all male. Like, that's the moment they're looking to change. Like at this point, it may be too late for deep down. They can put in a playable character, even if it's not a hero. The game will work out as it is. You know, and it's going to happen. I think what they're looking by by calling out deep down and, you know, by by making it, you know, such a public story and criticizing Capcom, they're looking so that the next time that they're, you know, a bunch of executives are sitting there, you know, you know, then maybe at least one of them will say, well, maybe one of those people should be female, and then like you can get that, and then ultimately, you know, years down the line, it leads to, uh, you know, fifty-fifty workplace balance between men and women. If you say so. <laughs> I'm saying no. I'm saying that's kind of their that that's that's sort of their goal. I mean, I don't know if you'll ever get to fifty fifty, but I mean, they're just looking to sort of increase, you know, sort of e- even out the difference. You know, they don't, you know, because you get these sort of reinforcing, you know, stereotypes. You know, girls don't see, you know, girls in video games, and and it's not that they're that it's not that they're not there, but they are underrepresented. Uh, because I mean, again, fundamentally, they're what half the population. So, you know, you should see them like half of everywhere that you look, and it's not quite, you know, that that balance isn't quite there yet. I mean, I don't know how you get, represent the population. I mean, um, I mean, how many games do we play? Like, you know, where where it's like you're playing as aliens or, or monsters or completely different human races. You know, like different races from human. Like, how do you even account for that in your study of like representable avatars regarding diversity? Um, right, but. Well, I think the the diversity in the games themselves is more representative. Uh, it represents more the fact that there aren't many female developers. Like, if you have a lot of males making games, of course they're going to make games from a male perspective and with male heroes and stuff like that. Like, that's I don't think that should surprise anyone. And then when they do make games with females, I should is it really surprising that if, if the females are what males expect females to be? You know, so that that I think that's that's another issue. You, that's how you fix that issue. You don't fix that issue by shoehorning women into games or by trying to make uh, your game fifty. You know, make it so that your game has can do be with a, a female character or a male character. If you don't want to, I think you need more women developers to you know or people interested in making or come up with ideas that that are more inclusive. Uh, for women characters, I think. Yeah. But, and their argument is you draw more women in by having more playable women characters. It's sort of a, a chicken or egg kind of argument. No, yeah, I'm, I don't. I don't think that's how it works. I mean, because I mean, not everybody gets drawn into games because they they identify with characters. I mean, me, no. I don't. I don't, oh, no, I, no, I don't identify with most games I play. I don't identify with characters. I usually enjoy. The, you know the gameplay 
or maybe I enjoy the story the same way I would enjoy like the story of a movie. Like I don't think Tomb Raider could have been more engaging for me if there was a male character. I think the game was fine the way it was. Yeah. Not everybody gets drawn in by necessarily seeing a character, but they can get pushed away by not seeing a character. And so if, you know, like, I, I think the argument is that if you have, like, a girl who sees her brothers playing and, like, they keep seeing, like, you know, the big dudes with the big guns playing over and over again um, and they never, you know, they never see a girl playing, there's kind of a subliminal message there, like, this is not for girls. Um, and that's that's sort of what they're trying to break the cycle of you know girls don't play video games because they don't see girls in video games so then they don't grow up to become developers so they don't put the girls in the games so that the next generation doesn't see that um it's not quite as rigid as that because there are women gamers there are people who you know get past that there are you know female characters that we see now um but it's not it's still enough of a there's still enough of an, an imbalance that this isn't something that the side that is purporting this feels they can let up. They still need to make this an issue um, until, and I don't know if they'll ever actually get to a point where they'll feel like they won't need to make this an issue. Um, you know, just as far as, I mean, cause even then, I, if you just look at the basic, like, you know, like the maths and, and sciences, those tend to be male dominated um, endeavors and, and programming and, you know, falls out of that. Um, you know, programming and ostensibly game development would fall out of that. So I don't, and, and there are people, you know, trying to get more women involved there as well, but I don't know. I don't, I mean, I don't know if this is something that fundamentally, and I, this is something to argue about. Is there a fundamental gender difference between the interests of women and men, or is this something that where it's just a societal difference and with enough deprogramming, we can get to the point where, you know, the, the, you know, the, the the number of women working in games, the number of women playing games, the number of you know women in the sciences and maths matches what the population is. Um, well, I don't think you know, that's, that's a larger question. I don't necessarily think the, the games are to blame here when females or younger when younger females don't play them. Like, what about the parents that you know they'll buy a game for their son, but they won't buy one for their daughter? Because they just think, oh, well, video games are for boys. They don't expose them to it in the first place. And in your example, you know, if if the kids, if the, if the parents are buying, you know, their brothers a Gears of War style game, or if that's just the type of game the brothers like, I mean, even if there's a game with a female protagonist, like, if, if the parents don't think the brother's going to like that game, they're not going to buy from them. Therefore, she wouldn't be exposed to it anyway, if that yep. makes sense. No, you're right. And there's, I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into this. It's not, it's not like it's a straight up formula. Like, you know, like, you know, put a female in deep down, we get more women developers, get girls start playing games. Everything's great. You know, flowers and, and, and roses and guns for everybody. Um, like, yeah. no, it's, it's not, it's not that cut and dry, but they're, they're, you know, that's what that's. And that's why they're, they're arguing for this because they're just trying to, you know, it's one of those increase awareness, you know, maybe, you know, you know, somebody's parents might, you know, come across this and be like, oh, hey, you know, what? I'll buy, a, you know, a, I'll buy a game because it's got a female character. I'll, you know, I mean, th- th- you know, there's a whole other side to this, too, that if a guy plays as a female character, you know, it opens him up to a little more gender awareness as well. Um, you know, assuming it's not, again, like some hypersexualized, you know, girl running around in like a metal bikini with a giant sword, like, you know, assuming it's, it's a, a valid representation, um, you know, it, it's in general. In general, 
you know, that that's kind of the sort of, you know, the, the goal of what they're looking for with diversity is to make sure that nobody feels excluded and that, that it gives everybody an opportunity to sort of see what the, you know, the multitude of life as it were. Um, and when you see something like this without a really valid explanation and, as I said, I'm a big proponent of story, and I want to believe that Capcom has a story that is going to justify, you know, four male characters. I want to believe that, but I, given what they've said, I can't right now. I don't think that's what we're going to see, um, and I would love to be wrong on that. I would love to be wrong on that, but I think that right now this is this is sort of the you know this is, this is the, the the you know not, I don't want to say the pro feminist side because um, it's not quite they're not quite feminists, but the pro you know, the, the pro, like, you know, female side, um, this is an opportunity for them to wave their flag and, and, you know, raise the issue again. Um, and they're taking it, which is as, as an advocacy group. And I don't, again, I don't really think that's the word I'm looking for either, but this is exactly the opportunity that they're looking for. And I'm not surprised that this happened. You know, I don't necessarily mind them. I guess you could say waving their flag. I really don't have anything nasty to say about, about them in this, in that, this aspect. I'm just saying, if if it is indeed true that the story requires that it would, the story would have been hindered by shoehorning a female in, then that that's that. I have no problems with that. And I don't think anybody else should either. You know if that if that's if that's the way it's going. Yeah, that's what we need to see. Is we need to wait for the game to come out so we can play through the story and then decide like was Capcom right or wrong. Yeah, special edition. We'll do that. <laughs> Once we get our PS4s, whenever that whenever that happens, is Capcom is Capcom is Capcom deep down sexist? Is Capcom sexist deep down? There you go. That's what it was. <laughs> That's the phrasing. That's the phrasing. Uh, personally, I don't think so, but we'll, we'll see soon. Um, okay, so yeah, that's gonna wrap us up on our topics. Um, I was taking a peek at the the uh, the upcoming list. And I'm not really seeing anything. Uh oh, it's today. I don't even know. I don't even know what today is to know like what is or isn't coming out. Today is the twentieth. Let's see. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know, guys. It's not looking good. Professor uh, Professor Layton and the Azran Legacy on the twenty eighth. Isn't that supposed to be the last Professor Layton game, or do, am I making that up? I don't know. Uh, the Thief game on the 25th. Okay, so Thief on the 25th. Uh, uh, Castlevania Lord of Shadows. Uh, Pac Man Museum. Yeah, I'm gonna probably skip that one. Uh, you know they need to the, make they need to take that Pac Man Battle Royale game that they have like Dave and Buster's and make that into like a PSN title. How does That's that work awesome. again? It's four people. You play Pac. Everybody's a Pac Man. And, you know, you're supposed to eat, you know, more and more dots than everybody else. Or you can get, when you get the uh, the big orbs, you can eat other players. Oh! <laughs> yeah. Are there ghosts? Uh, yes, there are ghosts, too. Oh, so you still gotta watch out for the ghosts. Still and gotta, gotta the watch other out for pack- the ghosts. Yep. So if you just run, like, if you just run across another Pac-Man, you just go right through him, then. Unless he's got the, the eating power. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it looks like st- uh, the South Park Stick of Truth is out on the 4th. Uh, that looks like that's going to be good. Uh, what else? Let's see. Um, New Yoshi's Island. Uh, every time I see a Yoshi game, I'm kind of excited. Cause I, I really liked Yoshi's story, but this is a Yoshi's Island game. So 
I wasn't a huge fan of uh, Yoshi's, uh, the original Yoshi's Island, even though it was decent. I thought a lot of people liked it. Uh, Dark Souls 2, March 11th. Uh, sorry, Titan- yeah, March 11th. Titanfall, March 11th. That's. I heard a lot of good stuff from the beta. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people are, are saying good things about the beta. So I'm, I'm curious about that. But yeah, so it looks like, yeah, major releases of Thief, Castlevania, uh, Stick of Truth, Titanfall, and Dark Souls coming out. March 18th, clear two, maybe two and a half hours off your calendar. Ground Zeroes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Two hours. <laughs> oh, well. But yeah, so yeah, it's going to wrap us up here. Uh, as always, thank you for listening. Uh, you can catch us on uh, soundcloud.com slash smash those buttons. We are on uh, also on iTunes, uh, Stitcher Smart Radio for Android and iOS devices, um, twitter.com slash smash, oh, twitter.com slash MTB site, facebook.com slash smash those buttons, and youtube.com slash smash those buttons. So, yeah, thank you for listening, and we will catch you guys next week, hopefully, with Joel. Yeah. Yeah, screw you, Canada, for keeping Joel from us. <laughs> yeah, have a good weekend, everybody. Have a good one.